The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. 30 years. No, four, four fifth, no, fifth. How many years is it? Six, oh, I can't be bothered anymore, Kev. <laughs> of, of all this hurt, wait. Jules Rimet still blooming gleaming, apparently, <laughs> but not in this country. That's how up to date we are this week. Yeah, I saw yeah. I saw the football like so many times, Kev. I realise the round ball isn't everybody's sport, and indeed, nor England. But I, I did. I saw. I've seen the football so many times, like you have, I'm sure, at weddings, usually in the summer. I don't care about the World Cup, by the way. It's just a pretend Mickey Mouse one anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw it. Um, through the eyes of other people, as always, wedding guests at a wedding. Um, it was interesting, by the way, at the venue where, and you know this venue, it's called Cripps Barn. You, appa- yeah. you apparently know the uh, the chef there. Did you see him? Did you see Davey? Well, no, I didn't dare, because when oh, I was wow. there a few years ago, that was the chef that said, you can tell the f***ing photographer to f*** off. Yeah, when I asked to go, <laughs> Prob- I told him you were coming. He had you something special prepared. Did he? <laughs> I'm sure he did. Was that? The- <laughs> it was actually tell him amazing food. Really, really amazing food. Good. And I mean that. Uh, whether he did something special on my plate, I, I don't know. Don't want to think about it. But <laughs> but anyway, so it was good. You can tell him that. But the uh, yeah, I watched it through the eyes of other people, and uh, they they took at this at the barn because you can't get very good phone signal there at all. So no. there is there is pretty decent Wi-Fi there, and there was the code there, and you could use the code to watch telly really really easily. Mm. But it was funny how just prior to kickoff. The frame with the code was taken down. <laughs> the sharp people had managed to uh, to photograph that frame earlier on, and so so the word spread. Now, fortunately, unlike some weddings where it does take over a bit, it didn't. There was just two small crowds. But I I watched the goals go in, and really through other people and photographing other people's faces. Mm. And it's that sort yeah. of look at the end where you think, oh, you poor old. And and the last bit was du- was during the dancing. And there was just one half of the dance floor that looked dejected, and the other half were going mad and dancing. Yeah, how many one of those days? How many? How many more years now do we have to wait to the next one? Oh, I was two years, isn't it? Will it be summer? A lot longer. A lot longer for me. Well, what, what's happening for you? Well, we've never won it. You keep saying you keep you, you rolling me up into the royal we. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm a royal Welsh. Maybe we should join all together. And, and uh, oh, that would never work. Would it? The Fuji cast. Can you imagine that? I mean, the, the home nations joining together for football. They do it for rugby. Why not for football? Huh? No, I can't even think of anything, many things worse than that. <laughs> there would be murder on the, on the terraces. <laughs> <laughs> would it? Okay. Right, well, welcome to the Fujicast. Um, is there a chance this is the last one before Christmas, Kev? Let me just look at the dates. It's the 12th of December today, so 19th. Yeah, it will be Boxing Day, Kev. It will be our Christmas special, the next one. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Have we woken you up or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> As you know, I've not been in the best of uh, situations this week. Oh, oh, no, but uh, it's been a bit tough for you. You've been in a bit off. Are you but all yes. right now? Have you fed yourself up? Are you, are you rattling? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, you are. I'm okay. Okay, all right. Um, well, welcome to the Fuji Cast. Your questions, um, you send them in via Facebook, which Kev will read out, or you send them in via email, the ones that I'll read out. Uh, also, we should uh, thank our sponsors, Pick Hyphen Time. Uh, dot com um, who uh, who help us bring the show to you um, every other week 
it's are we still doing christmas specials are they still doing christmas specials now or, or are we a bit too late do you think uh, to- no you yeah you can still do your holiday um uh things yeah. on pick time uh it's entirely up to you how long you run those things for isn't it but i think holidays in terms of the american marketplace also includes like the black friday stuff and everything yeah. which of course has gone um but christmas is still coming that's true yes, and, and so I you guess, carry on and I you guess can use big time yeah, to yeah. pure sales and, and also into the new year i suppose you could have some new year sales couldn't you that's one of the you can just yeah. carry on rolling them through to New Year. Then it yeah. becomes Valentine's Day. Then Easter specials. Then before you know it, we're back at the World Cup with Wales and England. Yeah. So I, I dare ask about your week because you've had a challenging one this week. You've had the lurgy this week, haven't you? A lot of lurgy going around at the moment. Lurgy going around, indeed. I yeah. think you should do some voiceovers, Kev. You've, you've, you're. Have you ever heard of a guy called Red Pepper? Red Pepper. No, oh, he sounds like he should be in some kind yeah. of special online film. He does. I'm sure Red Pepper's actually. In the Virgin uh, Airlines adverts at the moment. But anyway, if you're not in the UK, you won't have seen them. But but um, Red Pepper, there's this wonderful story about Red, who was a tube train driver. And he had this, well, he still has, obviously, this kind of really deep voice. And he would use the voice to talk to the passengers. And there's some lovely stories. Uh, you know when sometimes the tube train stops between stations in the tunnel? Yeah. And um, the driver will come on sometimes and say, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be, you know, just waiting for a signal to change. We'll be on the move very soon. And sometimes the lights flicker on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would say, he would say, don't worry, we'll get there. Or will yeah. we? And, <laughs> and stuff like that. And he was heard apparently by a, a top producer of films who um, ran to the front of the train when they got to the station gave him a card and said, call me. And he never, quite literally, never looked back because now he is the voice that does inner world. He does all the inner worlds. Well, there's a a few. There's a couple of American guys and there's Red who who puts on an an American accent and does them. There we go. (laughs) There you go. There's there's a new business for me. Yeah. In a world far away, such as Malmesbury, we have two inches of snow. You do, don't you? Yeah. So I mean, it's, it, does that mean it's a day off school for for the kids? Well, it's uh, if the snow's still here when this goes live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember where you are. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, yeah, my kids will be really furious about that because you're not that far down the road, but they'll be saying, "How comes Albie's got a day off school, but we haven't, Dad?" Well, Albie is under snow for real. Yeah, it's odd actually because we don't we we we've got the. We've got, we're the split of two rivers, so we, we don't, I mean, we have had snow before, but yeah. we don't, you know, we, we tend to, we often miss it when others get it, but I, last night it was bitterly cold. I went, yeah. I was, I had to go into the car and it was minus seven on my car dashboard. Was Gemma making you sleep in the car? <laughs> yeah. Get out, man, and just got to that point. You're snoring too much. <laughs> um, minus seven. Bitter. Like it was, you know, I was walking um, through the town and it was, it was silent and like the the weight of the of the, the cold weather was just killing all ambient noise you know it was it, even the trees seemed to be like hunkering down together it, it was does just, doesn't it? it just goes deathly silent doesn't yeah. It? yeah but for we, we weren't forecast snow and then i woke up this morning i thought you were i thought there was like a, a band that sound like it sound like a it wasn't yesterday it wasn't forecast no? for us okay but then i woke up this morning and the kids came bounding down the stairs it's snowing <laughs> Out Rosa, 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 
Do they still get really excited? Oh, me? yeah. Rosa will gallop up. She was. I heard him run into his room. Take a look out the window. I'm getting the sledge. She yeah. said. <laughs> get up, Dad. <laughs> she went into the garden to get the sledge from wherever it was, and they've gone. They've, they've oh, gone. they're of an age now where they they can... were up the stairs. Yeah, they walked yeah. to the stable. Like trying to get them to walk to the stables normally is is like not happening. A challenge. No. Like let's walk to the stables. <laughs> Uh, but you went. two stayed in bed. I stayed. Well, Gemma went with them. I Did stayed. She? Well, I'm, that's where they are. I'm here with you now. Is that <laughs> that's it? That's where they are. That's, I'm, I'm your date for, for the, it, the yeah. recording session. Oh, that's quite nice. I think it's very romantic, Snow. I like it. I like Snow. Mm. But then I can say that because I'm not driving hundreds of miles to a wedding today or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's when you... I don't enjoy Snow quite so much. No. Uh, but yes, you, you, you've done a wedding in the snow already this year, Kev. Yeah, it snowed uh, on Saturday, uh, Friday's wedding. Where are we? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Only for, a little bit. Yeah. Only a little bit. Oh, en- enough for you to do really nice romantic Christmas portraits like I know you love doing? Yeah, yeah, did all of that, yeah. <laughs> Got them to kind of stand by a Christmas tree and all that stuff, yeah. Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Right, questions. Where do we go? Um, should we go with fa- the book of face first or yeah, do you want me to not? dig into to email? Up to you. Why not? Why not? Let's go. I'm just scrolling to the end. Uh, Thomas Pinches says, Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. In a recent episode, Kev mentioned in passing that he assigned a function button to shutter type. It's got me thinking. I have my shutter type set to electronic front curtain up to one two thousandth, mechanical from one two thousandth to one eight thousandth, and electronic above one eight thousandth. The reason Fujifilm offers this as an option was, I assumed, because A, manual shutter less than one two thousandth risks shake from a moving shutter, which electronic front curtain mitigated against. B, mechanical from one two thousandth to one eight thousandth is because mechanical shutter doesn't risk the effects of rolling shutter. And C, the mechanical shutter only works up to one eight thousandth. So electronic shutter takes over. My question is, why does Kev choose to have control over the shutter type? What's the downside to this setting and how does Kev decide what to use and when? Thanks both, Tom and Devon, um, whose Instagram is Thomas Pinches, T-H-O-M-A-S-P-I-N-C-H-E-S. Does he? I don't know. So ask him, Thomas, do you pinch? <laughs> it's not a Morecambe and Wise joke, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, in the I, as you know, probably had a nosebleed during all those numbers and things. <laughs> <laughs> you can answer a question in the third person about yourself. <laughs> yeah, so, well, I mean, I'll keep it really simple. The reason I have the um, electronic shutter and the, and the ability to choose between the two of them is nothing to do really with rolling shutter or anything like that. These days, right. the sensors are, are much better than, than they used to be. But ultimately, I like to, if if there is no banding visible in a church or the ceremony, I will always use the electronic shutter right? because it's totally silent. And I also like to be able to shoot wide open sometimes, especially during the um, hugathon. I quite like to shoot those at f1.4 yeah um and if it's a bright sunny day that i need to be shooting at sometimes up to one thirty-two thousandth of a second yeah. so with, a, with an electronic shutter yeah with the electronic shutter yeah, yeah. yeah. otherwise i've just let the camera take the stream uh, talking of uh, buttons and things and uh, lewis we've had a couple of do you remember i was saying how do, how do you do um a, a, such a do a, a format on an x100v yeah um delete and rear command dial it works also on the x100v says lewis craig right there we go yes so there we go sorted us out there was a, i thought there was another one in here i might yet find it there was another really good shortcut so good i've lost it in all the emails i've got kev which i thought oh kev would be really impressed with that one 
and have lost it. I will find it. Mark Adams. Uh, hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. I was very disturbed to hear that Kev... Oh, they're all having a go at you this week, Kev. Mm, been a week, I tell you. I know. This sounds like one of those... You know that programme on the BBC, Disturbed of Norwich, has written? <laughs> <laughs> I was very disturbed to hear that Kev has resorted to a camera with a PASM dial. Hold your horses on that one. Uh, this yeah. one came in at the end of November, so this might need updating if you haven't heard the last show. Or, or it wasn't on the last show, was it? If It was on our, our pop-up, Patreon wasn't it? Pop-up. Yeah. As a long-time Fuji fan, I've recently rationalised my cameras to two X-T4s, which are now both set up identically. This makes them really easy to use. I do miss the X-Pro2, though. Me too, actually. I miss the X-Pro2. My question is, how does Kev get on with shooting with multiple different camera layouts? Are you missing shots due to fumbling and mumbling with the wrong button like I did? Regards, Mark Adams. Which is a very good point. And yes, we did sort of, well, we did address this, talked about this. And it is an old chestnut, isn't it, really, uh, of using different cameras. Now, I tried this over the summer, Kev, with the X-H2S and, um, and the X-100V, which I love. And I thought... As a combo, perfect. And I've, I've used it for a couple of gigs. I did it also in Norway and a couple of other weddings as well. And I, I surprised myself that it's actually not as hard to shoot with two entirely different types of cameras as you would think. Yeah, to go back to the original part of that question, the PASM, I have given up on the X-H2S. It is being sold. I have um, a second X-T5 come in, um, delivered today, in fact. Are you literally waiting by the door then, Kev? Uh, if, if it's brought by DPD, I, that's the that's my favourite, favourite, favourite courier because you can watch, it's always Dave, uh, wait, you can watch yeah. Dave, it counts him down, you know. We have Jorg. Jorg. See, there we Yorg go. Is, is my one, yeah. Yorg and you can see his little picture on him, on the map. That's right. <laughs> you follow him along. You are delivery number 82. Jorg yeah. is currently a delivery number 53. Jorg is currently <laughs> having his lunch in the cafe. <laughs> That's it. How comes Jorg is not moving between 53 and 54 for an hour and a half? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it's arriving today. Yeah. There it is. Kev, it's yours. Jorg is here. I will be uh, offloading XH2S. I will yep. also be offloading my old X-T4, a couple of X-T3s, some lenses. All going. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, cameras. Bye-bye. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised you've... You, I am surprised you've gotten rid of it, as they say, because... What, the X-H2S? Yeah, because such a wonderful camera and, and no, in hybrid terms of filming and and also no. stills. I mean, I've just... I've got to say, Kev, I'm surprised. No, I couldn't. I just couldn't. Don't get me wrong. It is fantastic, but I don't like the viewfinder. I don't like... I, I've done... I've looked at the images the X-T5 creates compared to the X-H2S. Now, of course, remember the X-H2 has the big 40 megapixel sensor, but the X-H2S doesn't. Yeah. And it, it's not about the 40 megapixels, but there is there is something... It's really hard for me to, to explain, but there's something more filmic, I think, about the images on the 40 megapixel sensor. Do you think so? They look different. They just look different. I don't like the viewfinder on the well, X-H2S. Well, I uh, cannot leave... stand the fact I can't change between manual and um, single shot focus okay. easily. PASM, I've got a PASMism. Yeah, I just can't have, do PASMs. Yeah, yeah no. Basm's not for you. It can basm off. So sent. Let's go through the the, the sensor is obviously a different. It, it's a forty megapixel sensor. Okay, so that's different. Yes. In terms of filming, 
What what's the codec like? Is it the same? No, no. XH2S is much better for filming. You, know, you can do. I think you can do six point two K on the XC5, um, and you can do four K, but only sixty frames per second. So basically, everything that I'll ever need to do is fine on the XT4 yeah. on the XT5. Five, yeah. Technically, the XH2S has got the better autofocus system, and of course, can do forty frames per second. And neither of which I you don't I mean, used no, or no, require. No. So. That's it. No, job. That's I've made my mind up. It's done. And what's I, the difference I, in cost, Kev, between the two cameras? XH2S is, um, I think, it's something like not eight, eight, nine hundred pound more expensive. Maybe not, not that much. But XH2S is more expensive. Yeah. Okay. So two XT5s. Actually, economically, when you think about it, if you're wanting to to have same bodies, obviously, it makes more sense anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, I shouldn't. I shouldn't yeah. have rushed the XH2S. I, mean, it was, I was. I was. But yeah, but you didn't know the XT5 was coming out so quickly, did you? No, nobody. I did not know that, and he, so so people don't believe me when I say these things. But you, but no, I, I know you didn't. I know. You Otherwise, didn't. I wouldn't have bought the thing. What about the screen? I mean, the because the, I know very little about the XT5, but maybe because I didn't want to look at it because I was thinking, oh, don't look from behind the sofa. You might like that more than the XH2S. Mm. But does that have an articulated screen on it? No, it has the back to the original. XT3 screen, yeah, Back which most a lot of people prefer. Yeah, I actually don't. I prefer the, the screen on the XH2S. Yeah. So, so that that sort of answered your question, Mark. That uh, yeah, he's no, he's he's not a pessimist. I'm an anti-pasm. Anti-pasm. Does she know anti? What's her name? Anti Nancy. Anti pasm Uncle Dial. <laughs> <That's it>. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in in terms of shooting with two different cameras, you you've done it for a long, long time. Sounds like you're not going to be doing it for too much longer. But you've done it for a long, long time, and it's never been a problem for you, has it? I've never had a problem shooting with different cameras in yeah. terms of like XTs and X Pros and X Pros and X One Hundreds and all that kind of stuff. Probably because I haven't had the Pasm though. And I, I, yeah, but I never really. I did, the problem for me with the XH Two S and the and the XT Five that I got and the XT Four I was using previously and the X Pro yeah. is not the the difference between the two cameras. It's the fact that one of them is awkward for me to use. Right. I ain't I ain't clever enough to use it proper. How clever you are. So I need to. You know, I need to kind of change that. But yeah, it's not a case of, you know, the difficulties of using two different cameras. It's just one of them particularly was just not working out for me. No. Well, the X-T5, Jorg is um, is uh, appearing any moment soon. I hope he doesn't get stuck in the snow. This might be, I, this will probably be the last time I see him before Christmas. I should give him a fiver. Do you give, do you give your bloke a fiver at Christmas? Well, the DPD guy? Yeah. No, I never have. Should I have been doing that? Yeah, yeah you should do. Stop some breaking things next year. Oh, Dave never does that anyway. It's good as gold, is Dave. I have given Dave the occasional coffee. Yeah. So he knows when he knocks on the door, I say, Dave, do you want a coffee? Oh, go on. I'll have, have a quick one. Go on. I bet not many DPD drivers. Maybe I shouldn't have said his name. <laughs> Maybe they're not allowed to do that. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Don't worry. He takes it away with him in a cup. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorted. Right. Um, yours from the uh, Book of Face. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Robert Lysakowski. Ah. Lysakowski. I think that's right. Yeah, I think uh, so. Hello, Kevin and Neil. Yes. Greetings from the colder part of Europe. God, I bet it ain't... I reckon right now, Mr. Robert Lysakowski, we might be even colder. I don't know. Maybe not. Where is he? What country? He doesn't say. Oh! <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. it's no good saying that without knowing. No, I know. However, it's a, yeah, I, I'm guessing it's Poland or something, you know, judging by the, the surname. Where that, that beast from the east, quite literally blows yeah. from sometimes it's still colder than us yeah. uh, i've been infrequently listener 
um, mostly due to inability to understand all what you were saying. (laughs) But after one week in Scotland, suddenly I can understand it all. Pure magic. Not sure what you've done when I was there. Anyway, I have a quick question um, to Kevin about his long-lasting, soon-ending romance with Fujifilm. Which of your ideas, suggestions were materialised into true features implemented in the cameras have you had any great ideas which was never implemented and you still think is a mistake well dude before you answer that question kev while, while he did say can you read out the first part of the uh the way he said long lasting i didn't quite say that again yeah my eyes are not working as quick as i used to um where is the sentence now he says um quick question to kevin about his long lasting soon ending romance with fujifilm soon ending I just I know he I know it's probably lost in translation a little a little bit then he doesn't mean this necessarily but I just did want to point out that that your romance with uh, with Fujifilm is is one of those purest ones in terms of the fact that even though you're no longer an ex photographer well you are an ex photographer you're an ex ex photographer technically that I haven't the thirty first of January thirty yeah. first of December yeah, is my so you're still my leaving do that's a big leaving too but. <laughs> I think it's impressive in the fact that you um, have remained uh, and you will remain with them because it's a, a system you genuinely, genuinely love and believe in. And, and yeah. for all those that have said across the years, oh, you just get free kit. I'm sure there's been moments where you've you've had stuff because of, well, my God, the amount of stuff you must have sold by virtue of what you've said about Fujifilm. But, but you've always bought your own kit. And yep. and I think people um, don't realise that, and I, I just I just I just want to underline that the fact that I think um, I do think it's a shame you're leaving. I can say that because I'm not associated with the brand in that in that respect. Is it? It doesn't. It make honestly. Listen, it makes. It, yes, I I would prefer to still be an photographer, but I the the fact is that the world changes it, it does Every, change but but i want I, I think it's important pointing out that you're not you're not the kind of person that that, that when walking away from from um from this fantastic communicative relationship you've had with this brand across a decade just say well that's it now i'm gonna go and have a i didn't like you anyway um no 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 you never do that because you are no. you, you you're a purist about that brand you always have been and uh, as long as it suits you you in in terms of they make kit that you enjoy you always will be yeah as you know as andreas will testament i've said to him many times that i you know i the reason i use fujifilm cameras is not because i'm an ambassador it's because they're good for me and my business yeah absolutely and yeah. you know if something had ever come along or ever comes along in the future where i think seriously actually that would make give me a better competitive edge then i i would think about it yeah. and that was that's true in the future as it was when i was an ambassador yeah. you know yeah i mean it's for all intents and purposes you know, I will I will disappear gracefully from the the social element of um, Fujifilm UK at least, and uh, but other than that, nothing else will change. You're always still, allowed to go to the lounge downstairs at uh, the Hop, aren't you? I'll still be friends with them, and I'll still be. There, I mean, um, there's a banging there, on their door yeah, and asking questions. There's, and, yeah, there's a there's a there's a seat at the Hop downstairs in that easy area that has your name on it. They'll have to open up a wing, the Kevin Mullins Memorial Wing. <laughs> Memorial. No, you can have a memorial while you're still alive, can't you? Have <laughs> we just written him off? I do feel. I don't. I don't. I feel. I feel closer to not being alive. Than I had. <laughs> Pop another one. Right. Go on. What was the rest of the uh, question? 
Oh yeah, what was her? Which have any of the ideas materialised, and are there any that haven't? Well, within reason. So, so for example, the the view mode button on the XT yeah. was, if I remember rightly, when we did the design stuff for the XT, what they showed us the XT one before it was announced, and there was no view mode button on it, and so it kind of pointed that out, and then we went for lunch, came back, and then there was there was a view mode button stuck on the on the side of the prism in the in the diagrams that we were looking at with a big arrow on it saying kev's button yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and again if i remember rightly and this might, might have been a joint kind of conversation but the introduction of classic chrome was was definitely was that you not necessarily just me but right. i think that Zach, I can't remember the meeting there, but there was, we had, there was lots of conversations about the next, like a film simulation. And, mm. and we all kind of, we were all pushing towards the, the Chrome, uh, Kodachrome type emulation, although it's not really Kodachrome. When it, when we, when the new set of lenses were, um, uh, the new kind of, uh, range of, uh, refresh of lenses were, were done. Yeah. Um, we, again, we had the meeting and we were in Dubai, I think, for that one where it was like, which lenses should you know? Which lenses should go next? And I was the only person to um, to vote and shout for the eighteen mil. Yeah. <laughs> and literally everybody else was like, "Nah, don't worry, nobody ever uses the eighteen mil." I was like, "No, you must do the eighteen mil. That is the most important lens." And it was the one they did. Yes. Well, so, there we go. So they do listen to Mullins. Um, yeah, and other like lots of other little bits and pieces, such as I mean, at one point it did look like the. Um, X Pro was going to have internal memory only, and I, I proper threw my toys out of the pram about that. Did you? Um, not that that makes a massive difference because I am just one voice. Um, yeah, but I think and, that you're a course, voice they, they've listened to. I think they've all joking apart. I think they've yeah, res in, respected in part, your, your voice. In part, of course. Um, but you know, let, I want to make it abundantly clear that they, you know, they only come for like ideas and things like that, or had yeah. done in the past. Yeah. Um, the the actual design and, and the decision making is made at a much more granular level and based on sound economic principles rather than what Kev wants. Um, but yes, and there are plenty plenty of things that I've pushed and asked for over the years that I've just met with an eternal we shall consider. But you never know. Watch what? this. Watch this space. Yeah. Well, like a sequel, you'll be back next year. I'll be back. <laughs> and unlike other sequels, it'll be even better. <laughs> right, let's uh, hear from our guest for this week. Is a sort of a... Uh, oh, 30 years. Oh, God, we don't have to go all through that again, do we? There's a World Cup reference coming up here from uh, an old friend of the show, Chris Orange, who, who I thought would be... Uh, would be good to talk to for for several reasons uh, a subject we don't talk about at all on this show is food photography and and it is actually a growing genre so that's that's number one but number two it's where the food photography has taken him and some some real honesty in terms of of numbers money money in it that sometimes i, I think some photographers find very hard to discuss um, i might have been on a nosy day that day as i was asking these questions kev but um, here's our guest for this week. This is Chris Orange. We talked about food photography before, Chris, and it was nearer the start of your journey, I think. Uh, you are food and interiors. Is one side of the business busier than the other? I know we've got this excellent news to talk about, so uh, don't, don't do a spoiler on that one. But in terms of interiors and food, 
What's more important to you? The, I mean, in some ways, it's quite seasonal. So yeah. there'll be times where food will be the main thing for a number of weeks, particularly at the start of seasons when um, new menus are being designed by mm. chefs or restaurants. And then there'll be seasons where I do a whole string of um, interior shoots. They might be for um, huge warehouses, um, massive, like, you know, where they put things like Amazon and those types of things. Yeah. Um, or they'll be down to um, hotel shoots where they'll do a refurb. And so I find that over the year, it kind of travels up and down between those two. Um, and, and sometimes they go hand in hand. You might go to a, a venue where they want you to shoot their food and whilst you're there, you'll shoot all of their interiors and headshots and, you know, etc. This question is going to be entirely out of um, out of sequence, but I'll ask it while I remember it. Uh, I know working in commercial photography, one, one of the things that I find hardest, I don't do a lot of commercial work, but I do bits of it, is working to a brief, which makes it sound that I... <laughs> Like I'm a, a complete nightmare to work with. Not at all. I just like that idea of reportage and, and being reactive um, to something that's happening in front of you. How difficult is it to work with food stylists, agencies, people who will have their own idea of what looks good in a photograph where you might not necessarily agree? Yeah, it can be really dif difficult. Um, it really depends on how you connect with that food stylist or we really with the client if the client just trusts you and says to you and the food stylist or the prop stylist whoever just says you know i trust you to get on with it yeah. then it's great because you can work with them and you can try out things and be creative but what often happens is is that when you begin to go down that creative route um as you will know as a creative person there can be a journey between where you start and where you finish and that journey can for a while produce some questionable images whilst you are journeying towards where you want to be because you are experimenting with lights you're yeah. experimenting with props and if your client is looking over thinking yeah i don't really like the way this is going it depends on how how good they are at allowing the leash to kind of you know to go a bit when they're great you end up in an amazing place you know 15 minutes of that you can get some incredible photos but sometimes they're very strict and you just get sent a mood board beforehand yeah. and they're like, we want this, this, this and this. Yeah. And you basically have to go there and recreate. Um, but it, it calls upon your technical skills as a photographer. And then on one level, it, it can be seen as a difficult kind of dampener on your creativity. Um, you can't kind of branch out and do whatever you like. But on another level, it teaches you how to produce professional professional kind of photographs to quite a high standard when perhaps you wouldn't have tried that hard yeah. to get there because you're but you're being made to, to kind of do that so you have to learn new skills i would i would imagine chefs sometimes I mean, you're talking about the client the client at times must be the chef and the chef alone yeah i mean they're, they're often not, often not the ones who are paying for it um sometimes they are if you're shooting um particularly for michelin star restaurants yeah. then the chef mainly is it's built around him or her yeah. and so they are the client but then often there's others involved as well their, their managers or their agencies these days michelin star chefs are like celebrities and they've got their own old whole teams around them that you have to work with so you are kind of 
working with a team yeah. um, to make the project work. Something rather amazing has happened to you, which I want to come to, but can we run over some of the tech basics for what you do, which is unusual for me because I, I'm doing that and it seems it seems relevant actually or, um, when, when it comes to food that I'm, I'm saving the best part of the plate to the end. Uh, so I'm going to go for I'm going to I'm going to go for the vegetables first because I always <laughs> I always save my my lovely pork with us with the scratchings and the nice, and nice. the potatoes and the Yorkshires right to the end and I, I'm going to I'm going to polish off the carrots first. You know my children they they say <laughs> best till last. Yeah, that's it. So uh, tech basics, which is unusual for me because I'm usually about the why over the how, but breaking the yeah. habit it's important for this kind of photography. Yeah. Let's start with um, lighting. Okay. Flash versus constant light source, or if you like, versus not at all when it comes to um, additional lighting. The answer is all three, all the time. Right. So if I am shooting for um, in, a, in quite a darkly lit room that needs a powerful light, mm. then I often use flash because no matter what you do with continuous light, it's just not as bright no. as a flashlight. And so I'll then use one or two different flashlights to create that. If I'm working somewhere that's got a reasonable amount of natural light, but still looks a bit flat, then I will take in um, one to three continuous lights, which I will then use scrims around um, to create that softer look. And then if I can if I can get away with it, I use no lights at all mm. and use a window for a key light and try and make it look a bit moody. Two, two particular items that I think are extremely difficult to photograph. We'll take a bottle first, the, yeah. the, the lowly bottle, <laughs> which is a, which is probably one of the hardest things to photograph, isn't it? Pain in the neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's difficult. I mean, the worst case scenario with those situations is you do not want your softbox light to be left on the bottle no. um, or any other lights you want to create a clean sometimes you do want to leave a, a light on there but you want it to be a strip mm. um, rather than splotches of light all over it so the way to do that is to bring your is to experiment with your soft boxes um, and bring them often from from behind um, the bottle so you mm. can kind of it will hit the bottle and shine through it and you can you can come from the front as well and then you maybe will use a scrim. Um, for those who don't know what scrims are, they're like a diffuser, which is you can buy them in different stops. So you might buy like a two-stop scrim, which is what I have. And it will really dampen the lights and it will basically protect it from hitting that horrible, nasty kind of blotch of light on the bottle. And then for a secret kind of trick, what you can do is you can get a tiny LED light and put it under the bottle. Under the bottle? Yeah, or even just behind it slightly. Yeah. And that will release a lovely set of light. And in... then, yeah, you see the gorgeous colour then, don't you? Yeah. So yeah. if you look at any of the shots that I've done um, on location, yeah. say with the whiskey, when I was in Iceland or um, Italy, with those... I was. I had this tiny LED light, which I put just behind, so you couldn't see it, and it just lights the whole bottle up. What a great and then idea. you can shoot it with just daylight, yeah. and the whole thing just looks beautiful, and you don't have to worry. Let, let's talk about the kit that you use. You were using um, the XT cameras, um, but now you've moved exclusively to GFX, haven't you? So XT, yeah. X Pro, all gone. All gone. In fact, in about two years ago, I began a journey from my other work, which is the landscape work. I was trying to find an alternative to film photography, mm. which would look authentic, but I didn't want to keep spending all the money on film, especially medium format film, because it's like two pounds a click. Yeah. And so 
when, you, when you're shooting landscapes on a mountain and it goes wrong, you spent a fortune. So I thought, how can I find digital that looks more like grainy film? So I went back and bought up as many first series X-Trans 1 cameras as I could. I bought XM1, I bought XE1. I, I literally went through so many Fujifilm cameras. I bought them from MPB, used them for a bit, sent them back, bought another one because they're so cheap, like 200 quid or something for a camera. Mm. Um, so MPB became like my library for cameras um, <laughs> for about a year or so. And um, I was looking for this look and I found it. It was perfect. Those older, those older Fujifilm cameras, they've got such a filmic look to them, yeah. um, which I just adore for um, landscape work. And on that journey, I was really looking at color reproduction for commercial work at the same time and thinking which X-Trans sensor can give me something that looks accurate, not retro, but accurate. And the X-Trans 4 was obviously a great sensor, um, especially if you're on ISO 160 and you're using, you know, flashes, it looks brilliant. But in the end, I had to jump onto the GFX because the difference is just huge. Exactly. You know, you, it, it's just, you can't really, you can't describe it, but it is just a massive difference between those two sensors. And so I, as soon as I got into the GFX with the 50R, Within about two months, I bought the 100S. What you get with the medium format sensors is you get the um, true color reproduction, um, which you just cannot get on a smaller sensor. Even a full frame won't give you complete true reproduction without a lot of retouching. Whereas with the medium and the large format, when you shoot a picture of, say, a carrot, <laughs> um, you get your color yeah. of that carrot yeah. back. And when you start to kind of look at your files online, you just realize how it's um, it's producing exactly what you saw. Um, and it's important to get it right with food because chefs don't like their food looking the wrong color. So, um, yeah. Food shape is important. A low plate of food brings all sorts of issues because you can just yeah. throw it down and do a flat lay, but you don't want to do a flat lay all the time, do you? I mean, the, the idea of having just ni nice mountainous burgers, spongy looking burgers and what have you, Fantastic. Yeah. But it's food isn't generally like that, is it? It's usually quite low to the floor. Yeah. And or the place. it can get really difficult with, um, particularly if the food isn't Michelin star, Yeah, it tends to get flatter and flatter. Right. <laughs> I don't know why that is, <laughs> but it just does. And so apart from the burger, obviously, and fish and chips. Um, but yeah, and you, you've just got to treat it like a person. Mm. I always think a good food shop, it's like taking a good portrait. Yeah. And so if you can find the, the, the angle for the dish that looks the most appetizing and beautiful and shows the colors, um, shows as much of the dish mm. in terms of what's on offer, um, shows that in, in the right direction as well, and as well as making the hero, the hero, it might be the meat mm. or it might be some other vegetable, whatever. Well, it won't be the carrot. It won't be the carrot. No. Not be a carrot, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you want, you basically want to make that look like yeah. a really, for want of a better word, sexy portrait. You know, it's got to look like, this is really appealing to me. Um, so I just imagine it as a person. I just think, right, this, this food's a person. What's its best side? Do, do you um, ask, I mean, it is a very important point that you've just made that uh, often food just looks, but sometimes uh, to me, when food comes out at um, a wedding venue, it looks like the chef's actually sat on each one personally. <laughs> but <laughs> that, and that's a bit of a battle, isn't it? Do you ever plump yeah. them up? Do you, do, you, do you remodel the food yourself? Yeah, you I mean, style the, the food stylists. Yeah. If I'm working with food stylists, they will bring tweezers, they will bring syringes, yeah, they yeah. do all kinds of things to to give the food some life if it's just me 
then I tend to not get involved in that. And I decide, well, that's the food that you want photographed. You don't want a food stylist, therefore you don't get food styling. And so I will just try and make it as best, you know, look as best I can. I, I would imagine this is um, this has been a, a real self-training process, hasn't it? I mean, YouTube is a wonderful resource in itself, but not the only resource. Um, learning from others, being inspired by others. It has been a journey, hasn't it? Yeah, a massive journey. I shot my first food shoot having never shot any food um, in my life. And it was mm. for a, a, a celebrity chef. <laughs> um, and I had to just literally just turn up and do what I could. Thankfully, it worked out. Um, but that was just about taking the jump when the opportunity came up. And then I went on a long journey of forcing myself to um, be really disciplined, to learn as much as I could about flash, as much as I could about um, the camera that I was shooting with and depth of fields. And I did some amazing, I learned from some amazing people, um, some of them online, some of them um, uh, on YouTube, some just from their courses on their websites and just read a lot as well. And just really just put myself in as many difficult positions as I could to see if I can get out of them. Oh, really? <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought, well, you know what? Take it. Take if it. I think when you do take make that first jump into professional photography, yeah. you know, and it was like this is like ten years ago for me. It was like if I'm going to do this, I've just got to do it and just go for the ride yeah. and work as hard as I can to make this work. And so I just did, and 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 thankfully, every time. I needed some sort of knowledge. Thankfully, I I just learnt it <laughs> the a week before. So come on then, the big opportunity. It's quite the coup. You've done very well, actually, not to mention it. Uh, you've you've played the game extremely well. It's an event. <laughs> it's an event many would like to be at, me included. If you do need somebody to come along and hold your bags, yeah, uh, be blah, my first choice. Blah 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 blah. So what is it? It's the World Cup. Yep, um, the FIFA <laughs> World Cup. Um, I've uh, yeah, I'm going to there for about five or six weeks <laughs> to photograph all of the um it's it's from the angle of all of the hospitality yeah so i'm shooting all of the um hospitality for the vips well how, how, uh, how i mean how did the job even come along i mean i, I know that you're you know as you, as you go through the profession obviously you network and you meet people and you talk to people yeah. people pass your name around but this is uh this is this is a very different kind of networking opportunity. Yeah, on one level, it's very different because obviously it's a world stage yeah. and it's it's a big event and it's something that lots of people would um, you know be able to relate to. On another level, for me, it's the same thing that I'm shooting week in week out for lots of smaller things. Yeah. So I'm already kind of in that hospitality industry. Um, so a lot of my commercial work is within hospitality. So whether it's for a, a chef or for a hotel or, you know, a magazine, even they're all still within that same umbrella. Yeah. And so, um, for me, it's a kind of a natural thing to, um, take that to somewhere like the world cup from, from kind of my clients, it's about capturing customer journey. And so you are photographing everything from their surroundings to their position, whether it's on the track or whether it's the position in the ground to watch the match, yeah. um, them watching the match and the action happening, and then the food and the extra things that come with that package that they've chosen. And so you're kind of, your job is to really make that look as best as it can so that it can be resold again after for future events. Are you actually photographing, it sounds like you're doing some reportage, some documentary work based around yeah. the people that are, are attending as well as yeah. the food. Yeah. 
yeah yeah so it's 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 a little bit like being at a wedding in some ways mm. because you are shooting um you're shooting everything from the food through to people's reactions um you know just the, the, the jumping up in the air and the screaming when someone scores yeah. or when you know it's really the whole story of families who are coming together and they want to you can see that they're having such a great time you want to capture them in their in that moment because very often for people this is like the highlight of their year or decade you know they've saved up for this you know amazing event and they're having such a good time and so you want to, to be able to give them as well sometimes um the images um so sometimes i will send them images if, if i get chatting to them just so they've got a nice memory of that um so you really are it's a mixture of of different styles and then you obviously the big kind of this is the world cup yeah you know you're in, you're in the yeah. final um or you're in the semi-final whatever you know you want to show that um so that uh, that can be used for marketing how do you sit in this genre chris um it's a business where people do know each other uh and i wonder if photographers help each other or whether they're a bit guarded because this is one of those situations where i would imagine there's a few um envious eyes looking on to to you receiving this gig um yeah i mean i guess there might be i think that i do as much as i can to help other photographers that i meet along the way Mm. If I'm set like while I'm away, there are five weeks that I can't shoot in England. And so the bookings that are coming in now for December, I'm having to recommend other photographers yeah. who want to do food shoots, who want to do other things. So I'm doing my best to kind of keep sharing out the work as much as I can. But I guess in the end, you've got to walk the journey that gets put before you, haven't you? And just and just enjoy that and make the most of that. Because you don't know how long that's going to last for, you know? I'm not asking what you get paid. I wouldn't dream of it. But I am intrigued to know um, the sort of day rate food photographers generally work to, probably more toward the start of their journey. Okay. I would say that if you are asked to do a food shoot and you're just beginning your business Mm. now and you want to get work, I think you should, beginning, I'd say you're looking somewhere around, if I was starting out now, I'd probably think somewhere between five to 700 pounds for a day. And that includes all retouching? I think, yeah, you'd want to get everything done. For me, I'm very specific about speed and it's quite a big deal for my clients, especially if you're um, involved in press releases and that kind of thing. And so I tend to turn around all of my shoots same day or next day. And so you're providing a very quick service and so you're not spending a long time on the retouch you're looking to get it right in camera um and so you just had a very small amount of retouching to get it to where it needs to be um so i would say start there the top three photographers um are probably charging the ones in the studios are charging around about two thousand a day um so you know um and then there'll be retouch fees if there's if there is retouching needed so yeah somewhere in the middle of all that the the logistics of going to this must must be quite challenging because you've got obviously your equipment going away for five weeks so you need to take enough underwear and toothbrushes um but but equally things like visas and work permits and who does all that sort of stuff for you yeah so um the visas are done by my um, by my client they um sort all that out so i send them everything i need yeah and they book all my hotels transfers flights that's all kind of taken care of for me okay. and i just i have to send them particular information passport information etc yeah. so that's all done really that's made very easy for me um the most difficult part and the bit that doesn't keep me up awake at night but it just makes me think a lot is backing up Ooh, saving. Yeah. Yeah. i thought you're going to say <laughs> carrots then no it's all of the, <laughs> it's the backing the up yeah, minefield yeah, yeah. of 
turning around shoots very quickly and saving it and getting it somewhere on for the client to see um for them to use on social media for it to be ready as well as saved as well as protected my head's going around lots of different but i was listening to the fujicast a couple of weeks ago and someone was traveling yeah. to europe for five weeks that's right and you and kevin were trying to work out what they should do because they weren't taking their ipad well they or... didn't want to take anything did they no which, which must and be was, the opposite to you i was traveling to a shoot listening to that thinking what on earth are they doing just buy yourself an <laughs> ipad pro yeah. that's what i've got that's what i use for all my edits um well, and, is, that enough, uh, is that powerful enough to oh, to deal yeah, with yeah. A, I, to deal with a gfx 100 it's amazing is i've it? got i this is a crazy thing i bought myself was it three thousand seven hundred pounds for a macbook pro fully Fully specced, yeah. Oh, I don't know, two years ago. And it was fine for a while. It was good, you know. But then I found that if you're doing big edits, it wasn't, I think because the, the MacBook Pros and all kind of main desktop computers, they tend to edit in full resolution. Yeah. And so you are having to deal with the full resolution. Whereas the iPad Pro um, on Lightroom edits in a, um, a low resolution. So a proxy um, sort of fashion. Yeah, and you can steam through an edit on with the pencil i literally i've never edited so fast um with them than, than with and, the, and even i shoot uncompressed raw files oh, on the 100 it's like 280 megabytes of yeah. a, a picture yeah. and it just whizzes through them there's no late there's, there's no lag or anything so there's no, um, no latency at all wow. no it's brilliant i'm so impressed for the speed it's really worth um worth doing so I've, um, I've, I've always used photo mechanic to sort but of course you can't do those i don't think there is a photo mechanic app no so, i so. use um i actually use just the very large thumbnails um lightroom and i bring it in and i just with the apple pencil just literally go through and select I'll the ones select. that i'm going to bring okay, in so you're doing it all within yeah, yeah. Only bringing in the ones that wow. the ones that I feel are kind of decent and and um, I want to use, and everything else just gets wiped. Yeah. And it's it with the pencil. I just I love editing like that. Yeah. Um, and actually, Capture One. I've just downloaded Capture One for iPad. It came out really recently, and they have made a fantastic edition of it. It's a completely new version of Capture One, just right. made for iPad. Um, I'm not using it professionally yet. I'm still kind of toying with it because they haven't put the graduated filters on yet. There's still, I don't know why they haven't done that, but they've tethered it. It tethers to your camera. The workflow is so much nicer than Lightroom. So as soon as they bring um, the filters on there, I will be... Um, and and the, the screen size on, of an iPad Pro that you've got is... Yeah, it's the big one. So what's that? 13, is it? 13, okay. Yeah, there's 11 and 13, isn't there? Yeah. It's 13. Um, it just sits It sits really nicely. Oh, the, um, uh, yeah, the last time I saw the price, it was easily under half the price of the, the ticket that you gave me for the yeah for, for the uh, for the MacBook Pro. I'll just, yeah, I'll never buy one like that again. Yeah. Not now you've got, not now they've done this. And that, they did say with this release, it was going to be like your new computer that you know, you're never going to need a laptop again, didn't they? That was the whole thing around this iPad. Oh, okay. And it, I think they're really, they're 75% there, I think. There are a few things still to yeah. iron out, but they're definitely on the way. And our thanks to, uh, to Chris Orange, who has probably done a pretty good job on making Kev want an iPad Pro. No, he hasn't. <laughs> How did I know you were going to say that? <laughs> Kev, look, I've got a box. Yorg, Yorg, that lovely Yorg that delivers stuff, has said he had a spare iPad Pro with the M1 chip. Do you want it? Rather use an etch sketch. <laughs> etch sketch. <laughs> oh, I did chuckle internally as I was talking to Chris about about that, and I thought, 
I wonder whether Kev will fast forward through this interview when it gets I, to I that did point. have to I did have to go through the the Apple pain again this week though. Why? Where the you know to for the account thing. All right. Because we we've got Sky Glass TV at home yeah. and they've given us a free 6 months Apple TV Plus subscription. Mm. Mm. And uh, I don't subscribe to like Netflix comes with the Sky thing and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I, if it's free I'm like yeah okay of course but I had to had to re-log into my Apple account at which point it said we have sent a six digit code to your iPad <laughs> which is in the cupboard in Spain and hasn't been turned on in about 100 it years. It did not say any of that. Uh, <laughs> it is that's exactly where it is. Um but um but there is no I found they, they, they've obviously listened to me um, because there's no an option want see? to send your code another way see Kev yes. it's yes, not the devil in disguise anymore um yes well no they aren't still but anyway so I have we've now yeah, Apple TV has infiltrated our um, television yeah and it will for six months but they will not be getting a penny off me we went through the same thing by the way hang on we went through the same thing with uh, with Thomas's uh, Microsoft account he, yeah, he, there were two. There were two email addresses, and it kept sending us to the wrong one. And I tell you what, they're both they're both as awkward as each other when they want to be. Just so, nice. just so, Kev, I've got it in here. Oh, forgot I had this. Isn't that amazing? When you open up a cupboard and you find something you forgot you had. This was supposed. To, I was supposed to be sending you this in your Christmas card this year, but I've eaten half of it. Guinness caramel chocolate bar. Mm. Really nice, mm -hmm. Kev. It seems nice. Anyway, I was just going to say, it wasn't that, that I was looking for. Yeah, where is it? Uh, here we go. Uh, there is an iPhone 6. I've had it for years. I didn't trade that one in. I thought you might like it, just so for these moments where you want to... It's right next to your 35 mil that's... <laughs> yeah. just... The, the drawer of love. Um, no, it's okay. You can keep yeah. your iPad. Uh, your <laughs> iPhone. My iPhone, okay. Aren't they like the older ones worth, more, worth a bit of money now? Are they? I think so, yeah, because there's like some weird app people out there collect Apple things, don't they? There, <laughs> there are, you know, the original that those um, what would they be called? The CR is it CRT screens? Was it CRT? Cathode ray tube. That, that's it. But Television, the, monitors. The monitors. Do you, do you remember the really big sort of bulby one that that Apple had that came in different colours? I think there was a purple. Yeah, red. yeah, yeah. They is are it worth the Apple a Lisa or something. Is it? Yeah, no, I know. No, yeah, I know what you mean. Though, yeah, worth an absolute fortune now. Yeah, absolutely. They were cool looking things, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But space age. Yeah, they were. Right back to your um, your. Oh, quickly first, thank you to uh, Pick Time, Pick Time dot com for their continued love and sponsorship of this program. The best way to show your pictures if you want to display them to to clients and don't just use it for weddings and social photography. I know plenty of people that, and I have myself used it for commercial work to uh, to to wow your clients because. When they uh, when they go to pick time, to look at a gallery in pick time is like looking at a website, isn't it, Kev? It's looking like a well. It, it's like looking at a well designed, well thought out, tactile experience website, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just a very very easy way of. Um uh, you know, it's like a business in a box, yeah. effectively. But it, like it, it it blends perfectly well with your own website, so it doesn't look, you know, it doesn't look like they go into a different website or anything like that. It's, it's their own. I sell it to my clients as, you know, you will get your own private website with your images yeah. afterwards. It's great. Yeah, yeah, perfect. And if you want to take up the offer, we were talking about offers early. We were talking about the offers you put on for your clients within pick time when you're presenting images to them to look at and buy. But if you, if you want to enjoy the experience of using pick time yourself as a photographer and you've never used it, 
it before. What should we do, Kev? You should go to pick-time.com. You should check it out with the code FUJICAST, all uppercase. All uppercase. Capital letters. Yeah. FUJICAST, and you'll get one month, perpetual one month free. Right, questions. Is it my turn or yours? Your turn. Raphael Alicia. Hi, guys. Uh, That's a lovely name, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Raphael Alicia. I mean, I would just buy a photographer with the name Raphael Alicia. Their work would obviously have to be good, but I just trust it would be because they've got a name like that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Thoroughly enjoy the show. I know many others have mentioned this, but there's definitely something therapeutic. We just invented a new word. Therapeutic about listening to you both. Not sure. Reception. Maybe I've found my word, Kev. That's the one. (laughs) Not sure whether it's the promise of sparkling new Fuji gear or or the dulcet tones of uh, Neil's English accent. Am I very English? I would say, yeah, I'd say. I wouldn't say so. I, this is always interesting to me, mm-hmm. funny enough, because I feel like when English accents are portrayed in American TV shows, they, yeah. they try and give them that kind of 1950s um, BBC voice. Oh, the sort of pathé voice. Hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. England um, have lost the football again, but nobody cares. It wasn't a real World Cup. That's it, yeah. Right. But you don't have that kind of twang, but no. you certainly, I don't, you don't have a, like an accent as such. No. Um, not like you know, as if somebody was from London or whatever. But you, you definitely have a uh, mellifluous tone. It's called received pronunciation. Oh, RP. See, the nice thing is, if you come from Yorkshire, so I come from Yorkshire, lovely. Or, or like you, come from Wales, got a bit of a. Well, what is your Welsh twang? Where are you from? What part of the the valleys? Newport. <laughs> Newport. That's not the valley. <laughs> no the valley there. There's no valley in Newport. Yeah, a few I valley thought, commandos, but thought you were yeah, going to yeah. say Merthyr for a minute. Oh, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> and RP <laughs> essentially means you're an, you're an orphan of an accent. You've got an orphan type accent. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Raphael, do, do you want to guess where Raphael comes from? Um, Raphael Alicia. I'm going to say Italy. Italia. No, it comes from Australia. Have you ever been? <laughs> <laughs> I would love for us to do an Australian adventure. When we've won the lotto, Kev, we uh, that's what we should do. We should go on a, a road tour, take a, a great big snake catcher, and we should we should go on a, a road tour of Australia. And we shouldn't go through the... Uh, we should try and cut through the middle of it, the bit that's really difficult to get through, and overheats. Yeah. <laughs> it would be... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you and I. I would love to go. I've never been to Australia. You're right, and I would love to go. Yeah. Anywho, I have a question for Kev. I've heard a lot about older sensors and the fact they tend to look more like film. Or, actually, today, as you found out, the X-T5 sensor looks a lot like film, with, uh, with more space per pixel and generally softer results. With this in mind, and after seeing Kev's family images taken with the original X100, that's a long time ago, Kev, that one, I, I, I picked up an X100 at my local camera store, and I'm trying to use it as my monochrome camera. I'm strictly a straight-out-of-camera shooter, and this works quite well for my uh, X-Pro3. I'm trying to emulate the experience of shooting film without the patience for shooting film. But naturally, the X100 has less in-camera options. And so my question to Kev is... Dot, 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 how much post-processing did you do on the black-and-white shots you took of your family with your X100? I love the texture and vintage quality of those monochrome images you made, but my concern is that you can only achieve this look in post. Keen to hear your thoughts on your approach. Many thanks. Keep up the good work. Raphael. 
Uh, right. So if it is the images I'm thinking of, which back in the day were the original X transcensors, then I was shooting JPEG. Yeah. Um, but in in uh, Lightroom, I would give them a little bit of contrast or clarity punch, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and that was mostly it. But the yeah, the black and white Acros didn't exist at the, in those days no. in terms of film simulation. So it was black and white film simulation with the red filter, which gives it a nice contrasty tone. Um, and that was it. Yeah, and. You know, because again, if we're thinking right, right back to that first sensor, it's twelve megapixel sensor. So anything over about eight hundred ISO was like did have snowstorm. some grain in it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so it just looked naturally organically filmic, which was which was very nice. And 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 actually, as sensors have become more, uh, you, you know, as 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 they become more mature. Uh, you know, people often ask, you know, one of the questions about the X-T5, for example, I got asked a lot was, oh, 40 megapixel sensor, does that mean it will have more noise in a higher ISO? Um, and actually, I kind of embrace noise in the sensor. I love, I like to see noise in sensors. But because, is, it, is it a lot more noisy, actually? No, now, now, you, now you've proposed that. No, 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 not at all. No? Not at all. No, no I can't notice any difference between the two cameras. You, you know, it's nice to have some some character in images and and if noise is introduced at what well, no 3200 iso great who wants to who wants to be able to shoot at 3200 iso and have a crystal clear image what's the point you know you want to you know you want to you want to get some emotion you want to get some soul into the images mm. that's my my opinion anyway i'm sat here looking out of the window <laughs> snow falling my voice breaking <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of snot dribbling down my face <laughs> oh, shit. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, My mum's oh. messaging me. <laughs> what does Gemma see in you? I just <laughs> uh. oh, I've just looked on MPB, by the way, um, and this might well be gone by the time this programme goes out. But the, um, the X100, there is one on there, Kev. Uh, it looks like... The original. Ca- yeah, the, the originale. Um, uh, what are they going for? Well, it looks like one that's been in your camera bag, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it says heavily used cosmetic condition. I think they should have a, another um, probably description on there. Looks like something Kev would have owned. <laughs> but because uh, it does look a bit beaten. The, 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 the plate at the bottom is, yes, I'd say that's scratched. But it does. I mean, this is there's a certain charm to this, Kev. I'm looking at this camera thinking... There's charm to that camera. All works. Let me see the details, then I'll tell you the price. Oh, obviously, it works fine. It's got and it's got a six month warranty on it. Comes with a battery charger, a battery, uh, but it's just it's just this heavily used cosmetic condition. How much do you think an X100 would be uh, as a heavily used cosmetic condition camera? Three hundred quid. Not bad actually. Bit more. Two three nine. Oh, that's a bit less. Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying yours is a bit more. Um, oh. but yeah. um, <laughs> two 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 yeah. two three nine. That seems a good, yeah. good price. Yeah, I, I th- I've seen like reasonable reasonable versions of them go for like fifteen hundred quid. Really? Yeah. Blimey. Uh, because they are quite a collector's yeah. collector's thing. But you know, it's I've got all my I've got all my X one hundreds. Um, all all five of them. But um, bar this one, obviously, because this is this looks like one that I've seen in your bag before. <laughs> yeah, no, I've still got all my original X one hundreds, and I I wouldn't sell them. No. At all, because it is that that that's the collection really for me. Is it? All the others can go. Like 
once they've once their their life has been done on the, on the, you know the XTs and all that kind of stuff, they they just get slung in a box and sold off to MPP or whoever it is they're going to end so up. So S or T, you 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 not bothered about or or V or F? No, all gone. All my X, I keep all my X one hundreds. Oh, I'm I thought you meant ah oh, right. I thought you the other cameras. Get, yeah. Oh, so right. Sorry. When once you said, once their working life is over, then they right. they get sold on. Ah, I see. Okay, but you've kept your one, but not my X one hundreds. So you got the one hundreds, the S, the T, the F, the V. Yeah. Yeah. Every single one. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. a love affair with that camera, really, isn't it? I mean, that yeah. was the camera. That was your gateway drug, anyway, wasn't it? Yeah. That's that's what the, that like that's their it, it, marketing thing for the X100. Really, is that it's the gateway camera to the future film ecosystem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they wouldn't call it a gateway drug. I realise they wouldn't call it a gateway drug. That's for sure. <laughs> no. Right. From the uh, did we answer that question? I think we did. We did. We did. From the book of face, Kev, yours. Daniel Parks, good old Daniel Parks. Hi, Kev. Hi, Neil. I just wondered how experimental your focal length journeys were during your early days. Mm. <laughs> uh, we all tend to start with whatever lens is attached to our first ever camera. Absolutely. But as yeah. time goes on, we learn our preferred operating distance. I just wonder if either of you had had to persevere with a focal lens that you weren't particularly happy with whilst you fine-tuned your experience. Was it a straightforward process or a meandering learning curve over time? Oh, yeah. well, I think it was a meandering learning curve. I started really just by, in, in the valley of, I started in the valley of the Zoom, really, and, and didn't move out of it for, for many years. I don't know why I didn't, uh, I didn't, but I just, I suppose because much of my work was in the studio to start with. Uh, so it would have been a 24105 on a Canon. What would have been because I, I had the uh, Nikon cameras to start with, so I'm not quite sure what the Nikon equivalent to that lens would have been. But if we just say 24 to 105, I start with that, but it wasn't necessarily a very exciting lens, and it did make and it and it and it, it, it made made for a bit of lazy photography, I think. Um, I'm not suggesting just because you use a, a zoom, you're lazy. It's nonsense. But I just think this this wasn't a particularly it's the f4 lens. It wasn't a very dynamic lens. It's kind of like that trustworthy thing that I still still have one. That's that's something I've not got rid of. But but it's not a particularly exciting lens. The first prime I ever bought that really changed the way that I started certainly showing stuff online. And the picture that I have on the front of my my website today, that image of the 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 black and white image of the lady. Uh, the sort of I, I like to think I think it's quite dramatic image, quite emotional image was taken on a twenty four millimeter lens where I really had to learn to get in close and not be afraid of of um, having a presence within the scene. And I think that twenty four millimeter told me or taught me more about photography than any other lens. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, similar. I've never used the zooms. When, even when I started with Canon, I wasn't a zoom user, but Did I always okay. used the thirty five eighty five scenario so the 85 f 1.2 canon lens which was beautiful and the 35 mil i think it was a 1.4 lens it was yeah. and and yeah ultimately i was stuck with those two so i never really went i i, I very 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 infrequently deviate away from those two focal lengths and now of course i've moved to 18 in fujifilm which is more towards the 24 yeah. rather than the 35 end of things yeah. but yeah mostly it's it's been one wide one short no zooms yeah. Ish bash boss, job done. <laughs> Easy as. Yeah. Did you have a 70 to 200 and a 50 to 140 then with Fujifilm? I, I had a 70 to 200 with my Canon system. Yeah. And I did use to, because I used to be one of the um, Bristol Bears rugby 
side pitch side photographer people and so i used to use it for that but yeah that, that was it I, I i mean the day i sold off all my canon gear i literally had so much stuff that you know that i never used and and you came out with spare cash i would have thought for the fujifilm system i did yeah no well, that was the joke I, I kind of flogged it all off got my x-pro one and the three launch lenses and still had enough money to buy a car <laughs> <laughs> no not really a car yes. a car yeah. No, Kev. I bought Jebber a car. Yeah. <laughs> that's how much stuff the Canon, uh, that's how much Canon gear I had. What sort of car did you buy her? Don't you dare say a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was only a, uh, it was like a Peugeot 3 or something. Or it's not bad though, it. Kev. <laughs> yeah, bought- yeah, yeah, it was fine. But it was, you know, it, it, I mean, there's two things about that, isn't there? One, I had too much stuff. Sport yeah, spent too true. much money on too much stuff. Yeah. Also, that the, the price difference between then certainly DSLRs and the new mirrorless stuff was dramatic. You know, the mirrorless yeah, stuff yeah. is cheaper, and so it was it was an easy choice. Wow, allows <laughs> you had quite that much stuff. God, um, Ben Middleton, hello, chaps. Second time writing in. A few questions for the two of you. Uh, don't expect you to answer them all. He said, in brackets, or any. All right, we'll move on then, shall we? Have you got a question for us? <laughs> no. Um, number one, the X-T5 seems to be my perfect camera, so it's save-up time for me. Not bothered about the 40 megapixels sensor, but that form factor with the IBIS is just what I've been waiting for. What, what, uh, tell us about the IBIS system in the um, before I go for the rest of this question, Kev. I think this will be the last question of the show because there's three here. But- uh, so the IBIS in the X-T5 is, I believe, pretty much the same as the one in the X-T4. It might have a slight extra half a stop of mm-hmm. gyroscopic stabilization right. um but yeah basically you know the ibis now is 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 essentially normal in most cameras whereas only 18 months ago ibis and future film cameras were like ah, i can't be done yeah he says with the ibis is it right that it's more effective on mid to telephoto lenses rather than the wide angle i'm considering whether to trade in or keep the xt3 and thought i might hang on to it and weld the 10 to 24 on it for landscapes so have the two of you noticed any improvement in image quality on on your xt4s with wider angle lenses yeah so i mean he's he's right about the it will have more impact on longer lenses but that's that's not necessarily because of the technology it's just because of the way that people use cameras with longer lens you know you're going to have more natural shake with a longer lens a heavier lens so you probably won't notice or need to notice it so much if you're using wide angle stuff unless you're shooting really kind of slow shutter speeds and stuff so yeah that does make sense but it definitely has you know i noticed on the xt4 immediately when i had that the you know certainly in churches and things like that i could shoot at slower shutter speeds and and have more reasonable images out of it Mm. That was definitely a thing. And of course, we have to remember with IBIS is it's it's in camera stuff. It will not legislate for you messing up the exposure or for the speed of people moving. No. People are moving uh, faster than your shutter speed. It's still not going to fix that issue. That's something you need to do with your exposure corrections. Um, I'm a gardener. Oh, where's this going, Kev? And I love to see worms. My wife, <laughs> uh, Sam, <laughs> used to eat worms. No, really? no, that's wrong. I've got that wrong. No. It was wood lice. Well, when she was a little girl. As a little... <laughs> I don't Some know. Some wood lice killer. <laughs> I know. I look at her now and I, I can't see that at all, but there we go. Um, but just listen to your episode in which somebody asked if worms were still a problem in Lightroom. i got to say, I was sceptical about these worms, 
but I'm having big wormy problems at higher ISOs using my X-T3 at 1600 and above. I'm using the latest camera firmware and version of Lightroom. It's so bad for me, I've switched to Capture One, which has no wormy problems at all. Perhaps it's the way some graphics cards deal with the processing, question mark. Anyway, yes, it's still a problem for some people. We were talking about the fact that you and I have not seen the worms, but uh, clearly the worms are still there. The worm has turned. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what the, the sharpening settings are on, on, on his Lightroom. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, it's that. maybe, Ben, could you write back with your sharpening settings? And then we can yeah. do some wormy, well, just, wormy just tests. Just take all your sharpening off. Take it all off completely. Yeah? Zero it out and what, see what you get. What do you do if you want to sharpen your image, though, Kev? Well, then you start from zero. The, the Lightroom starts um, the sharpening process at 40 automatically, which is too much for Fujifilm files. Um, now, this is a revelation for some people because I don't think we've ever said it quite so clearly as that before. Yeah, well, it's it's true. It used to be 25. They used to sharpen Fujifilm files at 25, and then they upped it to 40, and that's just too much. So um, my import presets always bring the sharpening back down to 25 default. Right. Um, and yeah, I, I it's I bet it's that. Would that would that, that would that deworm Ben? <laughs> Probably would deworm Ben. Yeah, might not dewood lie Sam though. <laughs> 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 ben, you need a wormer. That's what you need. They're very expensive worming tablets. Did you know that? I don't know. Do you bother worming Git? Uh, when he needs it, yeah. When he no, <laughs> when they do that thing where they start crawling along the floor with their, <laughs> oh, with their legs bent, just scratching their bums. Oh. That's it. Usually oh, on your oh. finest carpet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's it. Um, <laughs> Barney just spits his worming tablets out. You can't trick him. I've tried to put it in food. I've, I even get this. I even with a drill. With I'm, I, I drilled into. This can sound horrible for those that don't like the idea of it. Duck's neck from if you were looking along the neck, and put in uh, the worming tablet. I thought there we go. Got you now. Managed to mm -hmm, push it around his mouth, mm -hmm, and then out again onto the floor. Ducks, <laughs> duck's neck gone. Tablet on floor. Yeah. yeah. Right, no, our dogs are pretty good at taking that stuff. Yeah. Um, um, number three. Uh, last one. I took your advice on using a program to cull photos before editing, so I'm using Fast Raw Viewer, and it's mm -hmm. excellent. Is Fast Raw Viewer one you know about, Kev? Yep, yep, very good. Good? Okay. Yep, very good. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit like Photo Mechanic, just a kind of different company. As Zippy? I would say probably not, but probably Zippy enough. Okay. So he says, thanks for the tip on that. I've also started using Topaz Denoise AI as a plug for Capture One. So uh, that's for high ISO photos. It is amazing. So two-part question. My workflow is fast raw to cull, Capture One, then Topaz Denoise if I need it. I'm interested to know what extra software you use in your workflow um, and if either of you use separate denoising software. Uh, if you do, how much sharpening do you do in that software versus back in the main editor? Well, I'll answer for myself, first of all. My workflow is Photo Mechanic, um, Lightroom. I I don't actually sharpen my images very much. Perhaps I should. I'm beginning to feel, Kev, I'm missing a trick here by not sharpening stuff. And, and, and then out it goes to the big wide world. Simple, simple pimple. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I do have um, the Topaz Suite, which is very good. And occasionally my... Um, push something through like a very high ISO one that needs recovering, but yeah. it's it's not a regular occurrence. 
um and yeah that's the same thing yeah sharpening sharp remember sharpening really should be done at the end rather than at the beginning of the process and yeah output sharpening good to go are we making life too easy for ourselves kev this is very unlike us <laughs> i think i think um yeah perhaps i don't know maybe we're just old we need a few worms in our life kev that's what we need <laughs> I'm not watching you drag yourself along the floor in the living room. Let's <laughs> see that that day. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be the end of it. That's it for this side of Christmas. Um, we, we are here for a pop-up just prior to Christmas, but um, we will see you for... Uh, 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 That's it then, before Christmas? Yeah, that's it, no... Kev. Christmas has just crept up. Do you want to do a Christmas special? Do you want to do one before Christmas? Should we do nah. one? No? <laughs> you are such a Scrooge. <laughs> uh, we, could, we could do I don't mind we can, if we can find the time we'll do it yeah. yeah that's true yeah we've got weddings like mad going up to Christmas haven't we uh, yeah I've still got some stuff going yeah. but uh, yeah I don't mind. well let, let's let's discuss off air yeah we'll discuss off air if not we're going to see you Boxing Day um, yeah. maybe not Boxing well, Day but the day after Boxing Day would make more sense because nobody wants to listen to us on Christmas Day or Boxing Day surely Kev no um, yeah well happy Christmas everybody then yeah yeah ha have a goodie and, um, and, and we will see See you t'other side uh, for a bit of a Christmas special. Kev will be yeah. wearing mistletoe somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. Long yeah. as it's not his belt buckle. I don't want to be involved in any of that. That's it. We'll see you just after Christmas. Bye bye, Kev. Bye bye. bye, -bye. The FujiCast is an independent loading zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way. <laughs> <laughs>